The Recovery First podcast is a podcast that helps highlight local initiatives in Greenville, South Carolina, and as well as on a national stage in the recovery communities. Here you will hear a wider range of topics surrounding addiction, recovery, and amazing advocates helping to make a difference in the recovery space. If you or a loved one are struggling with substance use disorder, please contact us today by calling 864-787-3798 or by visiting www.freedomrecoverycenterofgreenville.org. Now let's get ready to hear another amazing podcast with your host, Mike Todd. All right. Big recovery share here. Um, Mike Todd, Recovery First Podcast. And, uh, man, I don't even know what to say. You know, I come off of my heart with these. And it's, uh, I'm just going to say this. It's been a very emotional couple, two, three weeks. Um, And I want to just share this with you guys, and I hope maybe it helps someone else. What a tough thing when people uh, move on move on with their lives and, and, you know, and do what's best for them. And, and, and you love them because they do what, you know, you want them to do what's best, best for them, but damn it, you don't want them to go. And, and so I want to call this episode, I guess, losing my right arm because that's exactly how I've felt um, the last few weeks. And I, I want to talk about, an individual, and uh, I hope he doesn't mind. He's 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 really he's very different from me. I'm one of these. I'm like out here, and I'm very you, you know. He's very reserved, and and so and and I'll just go by his you know his uh, in, his anonymous as we go along. But uh, yeah, so when I started Freedom, it was Freedom House of Greenville. In 2011, uh, it was it was one house, and I think we had about five about five guys, and we would pick them up from detox, and we would help them get jobs, and we would help them get back and forth to jobs, and we would help them get back and forth to recovery meetings. And I don't know why I'm saying we because it was mainly me. <laughs> um, every now and then, I would recruit a driver that had about 90 days in recovery, and. As we got one house, we got to two, and then we got to three, and then uh, I found a building, and we moved in that building, and uh, I think we had about, this was back in 2013, uh, we, we had about 22 guys in this building, is what we ended up with um, back then, and uh so, starting in 2011, 2013, I'm just doing everything by myself, and I'm just going to tell you I'm getting tired, and I'm, I'm, I'm not taking care of myself, and, you know, not, not taking care of my recovery, not taking care of my mental health. Uh, I would sleep with the phone by the bed, 
in case something happened, if it was two or three o'clock in the morning, I would get up and I would go take care of it. Um, I was not living at the building, um, but I was very, very, very close, um, you know, closely there. I was there every day, every night, um, sometimes at two or three o'clock in the morning. If somebody had a reoccurrence, I, you know, I would get them to the hospital or whatever. It was uh, burning the candle at both ends was was <laughs> that that's an understatement. And uh, and and I had no idea, even though I'd been in recovery for a while, I had no idea the need for people coming out of detoxes and, you know, like short-term facilities and not having anywhere to go that was safe, especially um, that had, that was built around recovery. So I very quickly grew into like 20, 21, 22 beds. Um, around 2013, as I started to really kind of crash and burn, uh, there was a, a fella that came in and um, guy by the name of Heath. And uh, I put him in the room. I have an office and I put him in a room across. I always put the new guys across the room, uh, across my office. There's a room across from my office so I could keep an eye on him. So he was new. I put him in there. But I realized very quickly that there was something different about Heath. I did. Um to the point that I that I automatically one of the things that I was doing was I was praying fervently fervently is the word I guess I want to use. I was praying to get some help. Um because I was driving, I was you know, job placement, I was picking people up from detox, I was, you know, doing everything and I was I was praying. I was praying for help. Uh, I noticed I noticed something different about Heath right off the bat. One, he kind of stayed to himself. Not he didn't isolate, but I noticed he would stay to himself and and he would he read a lot. I noticed that he read a lot, um, and I noticed real quick off the bat that that he was he was an intelligent guy. Um, I realized right off the bat that um, he had a good business sense. And and it does turn out that he had owned some restaurants and and had had and really he had been a business owner, but and had really had a really good job, you know, when um, addiction took over his life and uh, he lost everything. He lost his home. He lost his wife. His um, his wife had filed for divorce, and and uh, his son. Um, it's actually a stepson, but for him, it was his son. He was really broken hearted about the fact that his son had not spoken to him. I think it was about two years. So tough situation. He had been served with a, with divorce papers. He had, um, he had a kid that he loved that he brought up, you know, since he was little that wasn't speaking to him because, you know, um, he had been, I sent off to treatment and uh, had nowhere to go coming out of treatment. Uh, went to a place in Asheville for a while and um, and then came here, came back to Greenville, which is where he's from. And, and uh, you know, little by little, um, I started depending on Heath. And, and uh, he came to me one day and he said he had a job and um, at a barbecue joint. 
And um, and I said, why don't you, you know, I don't know how much money you're going to make. I don't have a lot of money, but, you know, why don't you drive the van for me? I'm, I'm exhausted. And he said, sure. And I started paying him 60 bucks a week and I started letting him stay there. And, and little by little, uh, I'll just tell you, he... Um, he became um, a very important. He became very important in the growth. Um, in, in the development of Freedom Recovery Center, and there's been at this point seven hundred and some odd guys that have come through. Um since its inception. So he was very instrumental in getting a lot of guys um, through this program. And a lot of them that didn't make it, you know, and he would, he would handle that. (laughs) Um, And a lot of them, but a lot of them did. And a lot of them went on to be responsible members of society and, um, just got better and are still in recovery to this day and and uh but little by little uh he became um he he became he was a driver and then he became the house manager and then um at five years in recovery i made him our director and i was so proud Uh, along the way we had conversations and I just told him I just felt like his marriage wasn't over, and he would kind of laugh and say, "I did <laughs> he he didn't know about that, but he didn't make a long story short. Um, he lived there for four years, um, managed the place, drove everybody, changed sheets, cleaned rooms, took people to the hospital, um." wrote up all help we you know write up all we wrote up all the rules and stuff together all our policies and procedures and everything that we learned by by trial and error we 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 wrote these up together and and um sitting here realizing that you know there aren't very many people that do this that are really respected by the community that do like recovery housing or recovery programs because a lot of people cut corners because let's face it if you do it honestly um, there's not a lot of money in it and Heath and I have done that we did that we did this ethically and um we were we've always been firm fair consistent we we uh we we just worked together very well um and eventually uh, i turned everything over to heath for the most part and i got out into the community i got out in columbia and this you know out and raised money and was kind of the face of freedom recovery center and a couple weeks ago um after 7 years um, he just said he was tired and I can understand he, at, after seven years, he still had not made a lot of money at all, at all. Um, 
I can tell you between the, the both of us, we both made less than $40,000 a year. I say, I, 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 I'm talking like I'm in past tense, but I'm still here. But the, the point I'm trying to make is, uh, is he's moved on and, um, his wife got a really good job, really happy for him. And his, his son, his stepson, but son actually even came to him and said, can I have your last name? Uh, I am so fortunate. So fortunate to have had this experience. And I feel like, you know, in the last couple of weeks that I don't have my right arm. But, uh, but continuing because there's so much work that still needs to be done. Uh, and it's tough. It's tough when you, when you lose, when you lose your right arm, when you, you when you lose, uh, uh, this person that, uh, Definitely, definitely was hugely instrumental in helping to build uh, this program that's helped so many. Uh, One of the most unselfish, just servants that I've ever run into, but at the same time, just didn't, never, just wouldn't take any shit. I mean, and uh, that's something that he's taught me is is that we have to be firm and that there's no bending on the rules. There's no gray area when it comes to the rules. There's no gray area because, you know, it can, uh, let's face it, uh, this place could turn into a flop house in 2.2 seconds if we're not implementing uh, what Heath implemented. In the last several years, and he's taught me that. And again, I can't say how fortunate I am. And I will say this: he is definitely uh, one of my best friends, if not my best friend. We still talk almost daily by the phone. And he, um, since he's left, but uh, and then I'll say this: in 2013, shortly after Heath came. A gentleman by the name of Toby came, and he's still there, and he's our house manager, and um, just an old, quirky, do-your-chore, keep-the-place-clean kind of guy. And um, I guess as I sit here, I realize that God has just immensely blessed me um, by stepping out on faith and... um, by myself <laughs> and my prayers have been answered by some really good guys um that have come along to help me and one of them definitely was Heath so you got to move on and uh you know I know that a lot of times you know, I've been talking about him a lot and and uh to the guys and so some of the guys that were there now have had the opportunity to experience Heath and and uh 
He's just a really special person in our program. And I got to tell you, I'm missing him. I miss him a lot. And, uh, but we're going to go forward. And, uh, I'm going to continue to pray for help. Uh, and, and usually when we're doing God's work and we pray sincerely, he, he, he sends it. He sends it. But, um, just a very, I just, I'm just full of gratitude and, and, and I feel so fortunate and, um, to have, experienced what I've experienced in the close to now to uh, 10 years. So, uh, yeah, trying to figure out how to get around without my right arm, man, but it's going to be okay. And uh, we'll keep trudging forward one day at a time, stay in recovery, pray, meditate, go to meetings, Talk to my people, and everything's going to be all right, right? I hope this helps somebody. I know it's hard. Change is hard. I think I did a podcast on change. and But I wanted to talk about this a little deeper. I think this is kind of therapeutic for me to, to talk about this and just, uh, I hate to say it, but it's one of those slogans, I guess, you know, Pain shared is, you know, pain lessened. And uh, anyway, thanks for anybody that's listening. Recovery First Podcast. Have a good one. So 30 years ago, when I first came into recovery, we didn't have recovery housing. If someone was seeking recovery and maybe coming to meetings and didn't have anywhere to live, we'd basically try to help them find somewhere to live. And, and that's how it all started. It, we all started basically living together and keeping each other accountable um, in recovery. Now, as the years have gone through, um, it's basically turned into an industry and with that industry there comes a lot of challenges um, there's a, quite a bit of exploitation um, you know you're dealing with a very very vulnerable population so that's the reason that we started the South Carolina Recovery Housing Association to help providers to help other recovery housing operators to help mentor them um, to help to advocate for them and one of the things that we did right off the bat was we started getting naloxone into all recovery housing in South Carolina. We were very fortunate to get a grant from the Clinton Foundation and some help from the Recovery Advocacy Project and Challenges Inc. and Favor Greenville and you know all of them combined have helped the South Carolina Recovery Housing Association to begin getting the locks on into all recovery housing in South Carolina and to help train their residents on the use of naloxone. We believe that is the first standard uh, that we need to accomplish in South Carolina.
Recovery housing operators are a very valuable resource to those suffering from substance use disorder in South Carolina and we want to advocate for them, train them, mentor, and just work with them with whatever needs that they may have. If you want to get in touch with us, it's screcoveryhousing.org.